Hi, I'm Sarah, and welcome to the We Should Be in the Kitchen podcast, a podcast where my friend Liz and I talk about all of the things we usually talk about at our weekly Sunday lunch. These topics vary from the hilarity of day-to-day life to theology, from how adorable our dogs are to the nuances of faith and life in this interesting cultural moment, all from the perspective of two women working in ministry. We might not get to share a meal with you, but you're always invited to this table. On this week's episode, we are talking about DoorDash. DoorDash. We're talking about Liz's apartment issues. Yep. We are talking about the time I attempted to shave Liz's dog (laughs) and all sorts of other things. And so, as always, we're excited to have these conversations with you. So pull up a seat. What's up, Liz? Hey. This is weird because we're doing it over Zoom. Right. You guys don't get to see this, though, because I'm pretty sure it's just going to be the audio. Oh, yeah, it's true. So I guess I didn't have to say that because no one would know. Right. It's okay, though. It's good that people know. Liz is in her apartment? Sure am. Sarah is by a lake. I'm by a lake, and it's wonderful. Except we just had a little eventful moment. There's a skunk outside. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so when we rented this Airbnb... The owner was like, yeah, there's tons of wildlife everywhere. Um, There are deer everywhere. Like, we have bears sometimes. There's squirrels. You know, all the things. Um, We've seen some hawks, some blue jays, and nothing else. And Matt was really disappointed because he's like, I really want to see deer. We have not seen anything. Of course, Matt's in the other room. And a skunk just comes, like, walking down the stairs on the side of the house. Like, it's nothing. I yell for him. And he's like, oh, multiple times. Star Trek. Multiple times you yelled multiple for him. Times. I did. You were here. You said you saw said skunk. I, I was did. Like making it up. So, no. so thankfully, so that, and you did hit record on accident. Like you were trying to show me it, so maybe we can. I'll have to go back and look. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's been nice. Yesterday. Yesterday. Today, Tuesday. Yeah. Yesterday was our anniversary. It's so. Yesterday. I think so. I don't know. I don't know what day it is anymore. I had to look at my phone and it says Tuesday. <laughs> I'm, yeah, tired of not knowing what day it is. Um, it was our anniversary and we were supposed to go to Seattle, but clearly that cannot happen right now. So we are um, hunkered down at this lake house on Clear Lake in Northern California. And it's beautiful. Um, today when we were eating dinner, there was literally, it was um, raining earlier and there was a rainbow over the lake and it was gorgeous. I know you sent us pictures and it was Michelle and I were both very jealous. You should be. I did invite you guys to come later. You didn't and you said, but, no, I yeah. have school, blah, blah, blah. I have kids, blah, blah, blah. I have responsibilities, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that was an excuse with you guys. I just feel like, <laughs> yeah. So it's been really good to just sort of relax and yeah. What about you, Liz? Yeah, so I was, uh, so Mother's Day we spent at my mom's house, which was really, it was a nice day. I mean, good. I mean, we all spend a lot of time with each other anyway, but we like watched the Down Abbey movie, which my mom has watched a lot of times, but Michelle hadn't seen it, so we watched it, and it's pretty good. If you're a fan of the series, the movie's good. It's worth your time to watch. And so we just kind of hung out, and it was, it was good. That's and cool. then, yeah, just kind of been working. <laughs> what are you working on? Um, some stuff for some classes I'm taking for future projects with my job. So future projects, yeah. future projects, learning my stuff. Say if she's learning how to teach preschoolers. 
And it's yeah. really funny because earlier you missed this. It was off podcast, but um, she was talking about how she has a knife at her desk. To I do. And I said, hmm, sounds like a good thing to have when you're learning how to teach preschoolers. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> and then she goes, I have a lighter too. Not, I do. not like that. I also have another weapon available. Yeah. So like with the school and, I'm going with, they, uh, we do lectures, but it's all weekend. So it's just one weekend and you get 15 hours of lecture done. So it's a long time sitting at my desk. And so, and I'm kind of a fidgeter anyway. And so I have to have things that I can fidget with. So a knife is obviously the, the thing people go for. <laughs> Not really. That's a joke. Um, yeah. So I've been working with that, working on that. I'm trying to get my homework done for my last class because I have lecture coming up this weekend so are you feeling zoomed out very much so. I mean yeah just with zoom and between that and my classes and then like work meetings on zoom and stuff I'm just I almost have like screen fatigue look yeah. like it gets to a point where I I mean after the last time I had um like a weekend lecture I don't think I turned on my computer for like two days because I just didn't I just couldn't look at it and I didn't have the tv on really didn't use my phone too much because I just, I don't know, it's messing with my brain or something. <laughs> so we were on four days of conference. Yeah. Days, um, which were really good. We yeah. Got I mean, the meetings and stuff that I'm going to on Zoom are all good, but it's just right. too much time in front of a screen. Yeah. We were um, on some Zoom calls um, with David Fitch, which was really yeah. cool. And Christopher mm -hmm. J.H. Wright, they're both, um, like, modern Christian theologians. Yeah. and Very different styles. Oh, so different. They're yeah. both very good. Yeah, we had a really good time. Um, but at the end of those, I was just fried. You know, I think yeah. I think it's half one. We were supposed to be in Chicago for this. Yeah, so it was a, it was a bit of a letdown. Like, Yeah, like, <laughs> it's not a good trade-off. Um, being in person, going to Chicago catching a Cubs game, getting to yeah. go to David Fitch's church, which was the plan. Um, yeah. And to hear these two awesome speakers. So unfortunately we didn't get to do that. Um, so I think that was weighing on me as we were like consuming all the content from those conferences. Um, yeah. At the same time, it's also just like information for whatever reason communicated on the screen. I'm having a harder and harder time like processing. I don't know if I just like tune out or what it is, but even like I had a meeting this morning and my boss <laughs> wrote me and said, oh yeah, we should totally talk about that in our next meeting. And I was like, talk about what? And he was like, oh, what this other guy just said. And I was like, I had totally just missed it. Uh, meetings yeah. are already a little hard for me. I don't know why, but it's anything where it's a ton of information. Um, like I can only absorb so much of it. And like Tuesdays are my big meeting day. I always talk about this, but like by Tuesday afternoon, I'm so fried um, yeah. just from being in meetings all day. And yeah, I, I just find myself like having a harder and harder time engaging, but we did something sort of fun or tried. <laughs> we tried, we tried really hard to do something fun, but it, it didn't work out quite the way we planned. Yeah. So Liz and I thought we would be really generous. Um, we were in one of our conferences and our regional minister, his name is Rick Weber. I'm just going to say his name. Um, <laughs> he, in the comment section of the Zoom meeting, said something about wanting donuts. 
And so Liz and I were like, oh, he, you know, he lives like an hour and a half away from us. We will just door dash him donuts. Like how fun will it be? And he'll be surprised and like, blah, blah, blah. So we do it. Yeah, we, we had to look through, like, emails to find his address. Right. All of that. We track him down. Or at least we think we track him down. We send DoorDash, and then I get a text message, message from the DoorDash driver who's like, um, I'm at the house, and they don't know a Liz or Sarah. And I was like, oh, crap. And so I look a little further. They have sold their house. They are planning on moving. Um like end of summer, but I didn't know that they had sold their house yet. So we door dashed strangers. Um, and the door dash driver was like, well, what do you want me to do? And I said, tell him that two strangers in Lodi just gave him donuts and coffee. Like, <laughs> so we tell Rick what happened and Rick is just dying, dying. in front of us. Like he just thinks it's hilarious. Um, and then he texts me later and is like, oh yeah, the people, like the, the buyers of the house said, thank you for the delicious pastries and coffee. Uh, and now like I've heard about it 10 other times from he and my boss. So um, it's been, it's been pretty good. That was. Um, you tried really hard to do something really nice. Right. But less, no. So Liz, you're stuck in your house, kind of. I am kind of stuck in my apartment. I mean, um, I've been going over to my parents when I can, and to my brother and sister-in-law. So that's really kind of the <laughs> kind of the circle. <laughs> my wine glass on the computer, <laughs> really loud. Sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, so right before all those conferences, like the weekend before. Um, I was here and I was, you know, using the bathroom and I, when I flushed the toilet, I, I noticed and in the back of my mind, I was like, remember that this happened, but the tank on my toilet didn't fill up right away, which I live in kind of a dilapidated apartment complex anyway. So there's always these little quirky things that happen that I don't think twice about. Um, and so I came back later in the day and the same thing happened, except it was dripping. Like my toilet was, you know, there was like water underneath. I was like, oh no. And so I did everything I knew how to do. I turned off the water, I flushed the line, I checked all the components in my toilet and I could not figure it out. So I called my friend Scott, who was like, oh, it's probably this, um, you should go pick this up at the hardware store. But it was like 10 after seven and everything right now because of all this COVID stuff, um, is closing down at seven in Lodi. So that's a blast. And so he was like, Oh, come over. Um, I have, he's a handyman in town. He that's what he does. He does maintenance stuff. Um, and so I went over there, chatted with he and his wife and uh, he gave me kind of the new inside the tank stuff that you need for a toilet. And so I change it all, connect everything back up. And it's just, everything is just leaking, like even worse than before. No. He calls me, I call him. And he's like, oh, it's your tank to bowl gasket. So I had to go to Lowe's in the morning, get a new gasket, take the tank off, replace everything. So I replaced every component on my toilet on like Saturday and Sunday. And then what day was our conference on Tuesday it started? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. So Tuesday, um, you know, I was doing my dishes and my garbage disposal totally like breaks everything's just leaking underneath my sink and it's like now I have to go buy new garbage disposal so I 
changed my garbage disposal out. So I'm just like a plumber, my part-time job. So you'll, you'll make more money as a plumber than a missionary. That's true. Mm-hmm. That is actually true. Yeah. Um, you celebrated 10 years of being a missionary. I did. That's Last month, yeah. Super cool. 10 years. You got, what did you get as a gift for your 10 year missionary? <laughs> Do you remember Michelle made you something? What did she make you? Oh, she gave me a toilet paper cake. <laughs> <laughs> it was <Okay>. great. <laughs> so also during quarantine, we celebrated everyone's, my family's birthdays. My mom, my dad, and my brother, my aunt, my uncle, cousins, everyone's had birthdays. And uh, so we've had a lot of cake. And so Michelle, I bought my brother a toilet paper cake because he's a nurse. He thought it was funny. Um, but Michelle was like, I can make it better. And so she did. And it was great. And we had Mexican food. It was super fun. Yeah. Anyway, it's fun to celebrate you. Yeah. But yeah, you should definitely um, definitely be a plumber if you want to make money. Have like a retirement fund. You know. True. I'll do it. Working ministry really isn't like the business if you want to like have things. It's true. <laughs> you know, things that aren't hand-me-downs. Because like the TV in my living room is a hand-me-down TV, which works better than the one that I I just bought that I have to have fixed. So yeah, you've had like just some issues. So your toilet, your TV and your garbage disposal, like all within the same week, just decided to stop working completely. So it's fun. (laughs) Sounds great. I mean, I think, do you think it's just because these things are being used more because you're home so much? Like they were going to break anyway. But like, I don't don't know. I mean, I feel like I don't use my TV as often, like in my room. I don't, really watch a ton of tv in there yeah because i don't do anything the rest of my day so i try not to do that um so i don't know i don't know what happened but i'm like an animal crossing kick again <laughs> you're so always fun. on the animal crossing kick though it's so fun i'm really sad that you don't play it because i think you would enjoy it in one of my meetings we were talking about things that our students are really into and someone was like there's a video game with like animals and like you build your own island I don't know what it's called and I chimed was like animal crossing I've never played but I only know that that's what it's about from you yeah it's so great I got Jenny to play and Jenny got her brother to play so it's like a whole thing now I'm trying to get cherries I have all the fruit except for cherries anyone who plays animal crossing will understand this but Matt made a really interesting observation so here I'm working two jobs it's been a little crazy. My second job, um, working for our denomination slash conference, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, is really fun. My coworkers are really great, but I have not really been able to work in the office with any of them because I started literally the week that the stay-at-home order went into effect. And so um, there's been a bit of a learning curve there um, just because I'm not in the office to ask questions. So I don't even know who to ask. Like, I know that there are things I need to know, but I'm like, okay, well, does this person do this or does this person? And and as soon as I think that I like have it down, I don't have it down. I'm like, oh, this person does the website. It's like, yeah, but this person does the other part of the website. Like it's just thing after thing. So it's been a little crazy. And then of course, like, you know, your job as a church communicator when your entire everything in church goes online. Right. Like the last couple of weeks have slowed down. Um, we recognize like people are zoomed out. The digital connection thing is hard. And so we're trying to be sensitive and not produce like so much content um, for online consumption, just because people are feeling a little um, 
overwhelmed. And so we want the content that we do produce to be um, valuable and, and to not leave people, you know, just feeling kind of exhausted at the end. And so um, it's been a little better, but for the most part, just real busy. So I get this game that comes out and Matt goes, I think it's really funny that you're super into a game where like the entire premise is you working. Like you do favors <laughs> for the other animals. You like have to build things. You have to try to collect all of this stuff. You fish and sell. You um, collect fruit and you sell it. Like all of these things. And it's all work. He goes, so your way of unwinding from work is to play a video game where you work. <laughs> I was like, thank you for ruining the one thing that brought me joy um, during this time. Really, really appreciate it. But the nice thing about Animal Crossing is that at the end of the day, no one's disappointed in what I don't accomplish except for me. So really, it's my perfect dream game. Like, I get to work as much as I want or not work and get the satisfaction of not thinking that I disappointed anyone. So, I mean, read into that as much as you want to read into that. Feel free. But, um, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> a nice little. Um, let me ask you a question, though, you being yeah. the communications person. Do you think when all of this like stay at home, shelter in place stuff is over, that churches need to um, still look at putting content online? Like let's say like church is open and you can go back to a regular, a regular service, in person, whatever. Do you think that maintaining some of those um, things that are online on social media and stuff are still gonna be important and used by others? Or do you think that once churches reopen that churches can kind of go, okay, well online, isn't as important as in person. Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I would say that we didn't, we didn't prepare this at all. <laughs> no, we didn't. Um, yeah, 100% churches should stay online. 100%. You know, a lot of the arguments have been like against doing online services. You know, you see a lot of like younger demographic churches um, being online. Um, and I think that that scares off some of the older generation churches thinking that, oh, well, that's just like a young church thing. Um, we don't want to enable people to um, stay home. Like we want them to have to be in our building and this and that. And I will say there's something to be said, like you cannot recreate church a hundred percent in a digital platform. Um, well, even as we said already tonight is like, um, we're zoomed out. Like right. we can only do so much online. But is that online content still going to be important when church is open? Right. Um, and we've had so much good feedback from people who um, have illnesses, who have never been to our church or come to a church, um, who have seen our, our services online because people share them and are now interested in, in visiting our church once we reopen because they got to take a sneak peek into what it's like what our values are, what the preaching's like, what the music's like, you know, it's really hard for people to get that, um, that sneak peek into it if you're not putting any of your content online. And so for a while now we've recorded, um, the services and we've put them online, but not in a real, um, way that focused on like outreach, more of a, Hey, if you miss church and you want to keep up with our message, um, so it hasn't been a real intentional thing. And I mean, frankly, like our leadership didn't really want it to be because again, there are these tensions about, well, what if people skip church and they don't want to come? Um, of course, I'm in the generation of so much of what we do is digital. And so 
I don't not go to things like I can listen to music in the radio on the radio or, you know, through Apple music or Spotify or whatever, but I still go to concerts. Why? Because I still like the camaraderie. Like I still like the event. Um, in fact, listening to the music is what gets me to go there. Like I'm not going to go to a concert of someone I don't know. Um, I want to know what to expect and if I like it. And so if you apply that same, um, idea to churches, like this gives people an idea of what church is like. If you've never been in a church and you don't know what it's like, I think that walking into the doors is really intimidating. But I think if you get a couple of weeks and you at least know what to expect, you can see, I mean, right now you can't see this, but you can see like what people are wearing. So like when you do um, online church away from social distance and it shows people, you get to see what they're wearing. That's a huge factor for people when it comes to churches is what to wear to church. Um, Because there's a long history or idea that people dress in their Sunday best and that that's really intimidating for people. What if I wear the wrong thing? What if I don't fit in? You know, those things don't go away when we turn 30, (laughs) you know, like I still, um, when I'm going to an event, I think, was it, it wasn't this last year's Rose Garden, like, fundraising event but it was like the one before I texted you and I was like hey what are you wearing to this um because I don't know what people normally wear yeah like that's that's a big concern and I'm in my mid-30s and so um that's like a big issue for people yeah and, and again knowing what the style of music is knowing what the style of preaching is so we've had a lot of really great feedback um I would be really sad if churches and we've talked about this like as soon as social distance is over and the stay-at-home orders are over, if we just like went back to status quo and yeah. we didn't utilize these new tools that um, we've invested in, in meaningful ways. Cause I think that they are making a difference. Yeah. We've been talking about in my, one of my um, groups that meets on zoom, just like during this time, why, like, why not try something new? You have the totally. time. I mean, you'll get honest feedback. Um, and it's kind of like, so that way when all of this is over, and not that it'll all, I don't think anything is going to go back to the normal in the way that we're thinking. I think it's all, it's all going to be like a shift in a lot of ways. Um, but when this is, you know, we can kind of come out of our houses more often and go eat at restaurants, you know, again, that um, it's almost like we will have an, another component to our, either our worship experiences online or just the way that we interact with people, you know, normally, you know. Um, so why not spend this time trying something out? You know, what else are you going to do? You know, why not? Um, Pink Carlson, who's my boss um, at the NAB, he talks all the time about how we have to stop being afraid of making mistakes. Yeah. He's like, why are you so afraid of making a mistake? Like, there's hardly anything that you do that can't be undone. Um, like, and this is how you learn and learn what works and learn what doesn't work. And churches get so nervous about doing the wrong thing that we don't do anything. Um, And so, yeah, like this has been a good lesson, I think for a lot of pastors Um, and hopefully in an encouraging way that like, just because we we can't meet in the building doesn't mean that people have disengaged. Um, In fact, I feel like people are more engaged because they don't have it. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, like we can't go into the building. So we are going to um, like be all in and be excited and, I'm hoping that this also sparks in people 
a greater appreciation for Sunday morning services. You know, I would never advocate that people shouldn't go to church on Sunday morning, like go into the building, because I do think that there's something there that you get that you, um, we've talked about this before, that you can't get in a podcast, um, that you can't get, like physical touch is a big one. I mean, you're not a touchy person. I'm so, so. You can be though, like on a Sunday morning when you have to like meet and greet people, like you kind of turn it on where I, you know, I just have a, a bubble around me and um, like I will totally like shake people's hands. And if, yeah. you know, I know them, like give them a hug or whatever, but um, it's just not my natural, <laughs> my natural instinct isn't to like hug people. I mean, let's think about this. How long have you and I been friends? Yeah. Um, two, a little over two years, two and a half years. And how many times have we actually hugged each other? Maybe twice. Right. <laughs> cool with that. Like, and, and again, yeah. like I'll hug people and it doesn't really bother me. I'm not a huggy person though. Like, yeah. um, with people, unless I'm really close to them, but yeah. like Rhonda Reynolds who goes to our church, I just adore her and she gives yeah. me a hug every Sunday. And it's like, I super look forward, um, to hug from her because it's a very genuine expression, um, of her care for me. And so like, I can't replicate that online. Yeah. Um, I can't replicate the feeling that you get when you're in your corporate worship. I think that's super, um, at least for me, it's super important. I, I love, um, like singing and hearing everyone else sing. It is a really moving thing for me that that's always been, um, really important to me. You don't get that. Um, during an online service, again, this isn't saying that um, that an online service inherently is less worshipful or that being in the building is more so. Um, this is just my um, assessment on sort of things that you can't necessarily. And I think it's different for everybody. I mean, um, for me, I can listen to preachers and teachers online and totally get stuff out of it and be in um, in a building, whether it's listening to a pastor or at a conference or whatever, and just totally zone out. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just depends on the person too. And, and the environment that they're in. And, you know, if you're like, you know, the two of us can like read a room and if you can just sense the tension, it's almost like yeah. I'm going to get nothing out of this because I can see that people are at odds with each other. And I'm more worried about that than whatever we're talking about. Um, so it just depends on the person, I think. Um, well, but yeah, I think... I kind of agree with you that when stuff reopens that, you know, churches and, you know, even looking at gyms and stuff, like doing some stuff online is going to mean a whole lot to, to people. Well, and I think it has for a long time, but I think that churches are notorious for being really behind. Um, when it comes to any sort of technology, there's always like this weird skepticism. Um, about what is right and wrong. Like, what does it mean to gather um, is a big one. And so, you know, a lot of churches who have been super opposed. Now, our church hasn't been, like, super opposed to meeting online or, like, doing online things. Like, again, we've been publishing the um, online services. But as far as making that, like, an intentional pastored, like, we're going to have an online pastor who connects with people online, like, that has not been um, the direction that we've taken. I think that the skepticism isn't totally unfair because again, we don't know, we don't want to accidentally um, like create a dynamic that isn't healthy for people's spiritual lives. And so I'm super sensitive to that. But 
um, I think, yeah, this situation is, is proving that you can have this meaningful thing. And so, a lot, again, a lot of churches who were super opposed to doing it have now been forced to yeah. go online or to just be silent. Like, and who wants to, to just not meet at all? So forcing them out of that bubble has been a really healthy thing. Um, but it's funny to see churches change their tune too from like, you can't get meaningful things out of online things, so we're not going to do it, to, well, the church was never the building anyway. It's always been the people. Like, well, that wasn't necessarily always your attitude, but I'm glad that you are seeing now that um, that there is a way to have, again, a meaningful worship service on a Sunday morning at home. It's not yeah. what I prefer. Like, even taking communion at home, I'm not opposed to it for any, um, like, religious reason or, like, morally, like, I don't have any moral imperatives about it, whatever. Um, but I do miss taking communion in church surrounded by other people taking communion as Rachel Held Evans says, like the table is the great equalizer. Um, and I think about that every single time I take communion that, you know, no matter what's going on in this room, like we're all in need of, um, Jesus in the same way and his forgiveness in the same way. And so that's always really meaningful to me. Not being able to take communion, um, with my people has been difficult, but again, I'm still doing it. I'm still having that connection with God. It doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't more meaningful. It just means that it's different for now. So, um, yeah, I think that we need to keep exploring those ideas and not being so reactionary to things that are outside of our, um, usual boxes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so different from my, my job though, you know, um, I work with students, after school programs, on school campus programs, um, and there just really isn't a platform to move it online. Um, So we've been doing our best, but, you know, it's just really shown us that it's been the, you know, the time that we've just cultivated these personal relationships with students and their families and knowing where they live and being able to check on them, that has just been, you know, the greatest, greatest outreach that we have done so far you know we've checked in on every student at least three times during this thing we have sent every student a letter we've sent over 200 letters to students and you know that we work with and for some of them it's like the first piece of mail that they've ever received and so I think online stuff is really great and I loved and even this has caused my staff people and I to even look at you know if because they're talking about you know this could possibly spike again in the fall and shut everything back down. Like, how do we um, do this in like an online platform? Do we even try or do we just continue doing those, you know, face to face, you know, six feet apart, face to face (laughs) meetings that we've been doing, Uh, you know, what's, what's more valuable almost because every context is different, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and that's just it. Like our call to faithfulness has nothing to do with what the circumstances around us are. It's literally just like, being faithful regardless of what's happening. And so having to like get out of your normal bubble and do other things, it's actually propelling um, new ideas and new creative things. And so I think I've talked about this before, um, actually probably like two podcasts ago, but Craig Rochelle's leadership podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. He talked once and I, I can't get it out of my brain because I think it's so true and genius, but he said that Churches and organizations with a lot of resources and money often aren't the most creative because they've never 
um, had any restrictions that they've had to move through in a creative way. And so when you can just buy everything or you can just meet at the schools or you can just meet in your buildings or you can do whatever, then it doesn't stretch you at all. Right. I mean, not, not that like our jobs aren't a stress, like a stretch in ministry anyway, but like yeah. I would be a hundred percent status quo doing what I always do online and not thinking twice about how to make what we do, um, more outreach focused. My job, um, as it is, is outreach focused, but, but I wouldn't really have to like think about how to target people in a different way or how to include families more, how to get people engaged in kids stuff. Like it's sort of like, well, if you're going to come to our building, then people are going to take care of it for you. I can just tell you about us. But now yeah. like I get to actually bring it to you. Like I would not have um, had to think about the best ways to do that. And so in a lot of ways, these circumstances have caused us to have to get out of these bubbles in really good faithful ways. Like I can continue to be faithful in what I do and you're continuing to be faithful and what you do just in a different way. And we're going to connect in different ways with people. And so you're saying like, you've made these connections with families and you've sent these handwritten notes and kids have never received mail and how meaningful that is for them. Like how amazing, yay God, right? Like, like yeah. that's awesome that we have these opportunities and that God like gives us the spirit of creativity to move past our limitations. And I yeah, think that's I'm, so important. I will say though, that the, you know, the learning curve for all this, I think it's, was for everybody, like across the board, no matter what area you work in or that your family's in. I mean, those first two weeks were like, <laughs> I mean, shock, you know, everyone, oh, yeah. I mean, I was even like, what do I even do? Cause it would have been easy for us to, to shut down and just not do anything because that's almost what was expected. Right. I mean, when you do after school programs and programs on school campuses and everything at a teen center, um, right. you know, these things aren't open. They cannot be open. So, you know, people were almost like, well, are you doing anything? And that first, I mean, the first couple of days, I mean, that, that was the text I kept getting. I was like, well, give us a, give us a minute. Like, holy cow, it just, this all just happened. And so we've been able to just bounce back with care packages and mails and mails, mailings, not mails. That sounds weird. <laughs> it is. Liz's weird phrase of the podcast. Um, you know, mailing letters and doing like telecommunications kind of stuff, you know, and, and we've just really been able to keep up Easter stuff, right? Yeah, we did. We delivered Easter candy. We delivered, um, I had volunteers who delivered special stuff to some kids in um, our Bible club. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just checking in with people and it's just been really life-giving, not only for us, but I think for our students too, that they just know that, Hey, we're thinking about you. We love you. If you need anything, you know, right. You know how to get a hold of us, like text us, call us. CS, so. so do you think that these are things sort of like what you asked me do you feel like these are things that you'll implement um going forward regardless of sort of what happens with social distance yeah I think so I mean I've been talking with um one of my other staff people Katie who runs one of our after school program sites and we would really love I mean we probably won't send letters every other week like we've been doing um but just remembering kids birthdays you know and that's you know once one one day a month, you know, send out everyone who has a birthday in May, here's your card. And maybe right. it's just something special. Um, I think, you know, letting our volunteers be a part of that too. We have a couple um, students who are either promoting into from sixth grade to seventh grade or graduating high school. And so I, the, with the volunteers that I know, know these students, I'm giving them the address and saying, hey, send them a graduation card, just a, we're proud of you card. You can throw in like a, 
Starbucks gift card or something in there. Um, if you want, no, you know, no pressure on right. that. Uh, some of you just know that we, we, I didn't, I haven't journeyed with these kids for seven years just to, you know, not celebrate them when they reach these milestones. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's a lot, um, again, that I think that we are all learning yeah. from this and I think it's not all bad. I mean, the situation's bad. I'm not going to like sugarcoat it. Um, mental health wise. I've been experiencing like a ton of anxiety. I wasn't at first, like the first few weeks I was actually weirdly okay. And for somebody who's like OCD about germs to be okay during a pandemic, I thought, huh, this is kind of strange. And then the other day I had like two panic attacks and was super anxious all day and feeling depressed and not great. Um, and having these terrible headaches from clenching my jaw because that's like, What I do when I'm anxious is I, I will sit there and just like clench my jaw all day. Um, and so for sure, like it's taking a toll, it's taking a toll on the economy. It's taking a toll. I mean, people are dying. Like it's, it's such a crazy, um, time. Yeah. But I don't want, not that I don't want to focus on it. I do, because I think it's important that we are aware of the suffering of people. Um, you know, I know like for you, you work in a, in a situation with kids, um, and their programs are shut down, their schools are shut down, their resources in a lot of ways are shut down and we need to be, um, super caring about that. And so when I say this, I don't say it from a position of being like, well, it's okay. Look at what God's teaching me. Cause I think that there's a bit of that right now that are fighting words. Like, um, like it, it's really easy to sort of shallow, like, how do I want to say this? It's, it's easy to try to, um, make light of the situation in order to make yourself feel better by being like, but I get more family time or I get this and that. But for people who are, um, really affected by the situation for people who have sick loved ones or have lost loved ones for people who are out of work and struggling to pay their bills. Like they really don't want to hear about your like chicken soup for the soul life lesson. Um, do you know what I mean? Like in the middle of, of their people, like, I don't just want to get through this. I want to grow through it. And it's like, Oh, some people are just trying to hang on to like get through this. And I I get some of that again, like, cause I'm going to say it right now. I do think that we need to make sure that whatever situation we're always in, that we're looking for ways to, um, grow through it, which is a biblical thing. Like, you know, consider it pure joy when you face trials because they produce perseverance. Um, and I think that we do need to keep persevering through this in ways. I think that we need to, um, you know, right now, like the conversations people are having online are not really conversations. Um, everyone's sort of screaming at each other and it's been terrible. We were talking earlier about like all the conspiracy theories, Oh man, I just, I can't. Because at the beginning of this whole thing, I was like posting a lot of stuff on my Instagram and then I just stopped because it just felt like I am, man, I can't, I can't can't check this at all hours of the day. I I just can't because I'm in, I mean, we talked about this before, but I have really high anxiety. Um, I mean, Enneagram six with the five wing. And so I like to plan, (laughs) I like to like know what's going on and I just don't. Yeah. And so it feels like, you know, I talk about how I always feel like I have a backpack with some anxiety in it that I just carry with me. And most of the times I don't even notice it, but man, yeah. I'm just 
feeling it, you know, it's, it's weighing heavy on me. Um, just as, as those conversations on social media that I'm checking are just, you know, fueling the fire of, of everything. And, it's, and I just can't do it, you know. Well, the situation's so fluid. And yeah. so you're getting new data and new information every single day. And I'm the same way. Like, I have to be informed in order to make decisions. And so Matt always laughs at me, but like, I'm the girl who will be on like the Consumer Reports website, like looking up reviews before I make like a major purchase because I want to be, um, like, I want to know everything, Amazon reviews, whatever. Um, yeah. Anytime I've had like any sort of sickness, um, you know, I'm the first one like trying to research it and trying to figure out like what the best course of action is and if I should do this and this. And so um, seeing people just sort of share things like, that are so bogus and, and so outrageously bogus in a way. And, and here's the thing, like I get frustrated about it, but I actually feel bad because I think that most of the people doing that are struggling so much with coping, like, like they're unable to cope with the reality that we don't have a lot of answers and that maybe the answers that we do have are not the ones that they're really wanting. And so you find people sort of, grasping onto anything that validates how they feel um because validation is so powerful like I always say like validation is like um a drug where you always want another hit like once you've been validated um it feels pretty good to be validated again but um you know it, it keeps reminding me that we um as Christians particularly need to make sure that whatever we're spreading on social media is true um, so when you see something that is scandalous or scary or crazy, um, oftentimes those things have been greatly sensationalized. Um, you know, I wrote for a, a pretty popular publication for um, nearly five years and did a lot of fact checking. And honestly, I thought things and I would go and fact check and I'm like, oh, I'm wrong about this. Like I have been informing my decisions based on something that, was not quite true. And now I need to move from that and move, you know, like figure out how to inform my decisions from this other place, which is hard for people. Like it was hard for me. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's one area where we can really um, learn from if we want to, that, that we have this expectation as Christians of, of being people who, um, when we share something, it is rooted in facts and not in speculation, not in gossip, not in um, purely in validation. Um, and I think that when we don't do that, and no, I know that when we don't do that, you know, the people around us who aren't believers in Jesus are going to look at us and be like, oh yeah, I mean, Jesus is just another conspiracy theory. Like if they're willing to, to share this thing that is very yeah. holy untrue and I could Google it and find the answers in five seconds. And then next thing you know, they're like, and David Fitch, I think wrote something about this. Like, um, first they're writing about this conspiracy theory and then they're writing about the resurrection. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So is that also a conspiracy theory? Like we're hurting our witness in so many ways by spreading conspiracy theories. And it's, it's really, um, been a source of grief um particularly the last week where this like i'm just gonna say the plandemic video i haven't watched it 
Um, yeah, I watched a little bit of it and then I Googled and I was like, oh yeah, this is all basically BS. Um, like all conspiracy theories, you take a tiny bit of truth and you build on it and you use dramatic music and camera angles and you make it look really, um, legit, but it's not. Um, yeah, it, uh, I, I'm struggling with it, but, but we need to like really regroup as Christians and decide like, are we going to take the idea of being one in spirit and purpose seriously? Or are we going to continue to spread things that just divide and divide and divide and divide, um, in really unhealthy ways. And so that's one way that I hope that we collectively, um, as Christians grow, um, during this time. Well, I just go back and think about, um, you know, we do these Sunday evening praxis things, um, with our, with, where I work and, um, and stuff. And I've really enjoyed it. And one of the, um, passages that we read, um, two weeks ago or something, it was in Philippians four. And it, I just, I go back to the, all of this whenever I read conspiracy theories or I read about, um, or things that just, you know, um, can make me really anxious or just kind of fuel that fire of like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, inside me, I just go back to this, like, whatever is true, whatever is noble, what is commendable, whatever is right, you know, all those things, those are the things we're supposed to be thinking about. And if at the moment when I'm reading this, my thoughts are not thinking about things that are like that, then I need to stop reading it. And so I've just, I've almost implemented that. And so when I check my social media, like there are things I just scroll through because I know that if I stop and read this, it will uh, almost taint my day. It will taint my thoughts. Um, and I have to go back to those things that, that are true. Like, is this true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? You know, um, if it's, is it praiseworthy? Is this worth me sharing? Cause if it's not, then I shouldn't be sharing it. And if it is, those are the things I should be thinking about, you know? Right. So. And it's such a hard balance. Um, you know, because we still have to like have our voice too. like, you know, I, I have the same questions, you know, but I say whatever is right all the time. I'm like, yeah. you know, my political affiliation is whatever I think, um, at the end of the day, most lines up with my, um, convictions with my faith tradition. Um, it's not necessarily, I shouldn't even say not necessarily, like, I don't have a side, <laughs> you know, like I don't have like a political side that I super subscribe to. Um, yeah practice not, um, voting for the party line, you know, right, actually, like, like that's just, actually, when, you know, figure out what, what things really align up with, with your views and stuff. Right. Which honestly can be really hard. Like sometimes I am way too liberal for my conservative friends and sometimes I'm way too conservative for my liberal friends. And it's, it's kind of a crappy place to be when in a, in a time where so many people root not just their own identities in their politics, but to harshly judge um, anyone on the other side. Um, yes. That's definitely like a difficult place to be, but I'm so deeply convicted about, um, I think you and I have talked about this. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but I used to not really care about anything political. I used to not care about voting. I mean, I voted, but it was like, like, you know, I would see the measures and I would just like, check whatever. I didn't know what they meant. Like I just knew that I had to vote. Right. Um, and my whole thing was, you know, none of this really affects me. And literally like I started reading way more books <laughs> that that's really, or more meaningful books. I've always been a reader. Um, and realized that 
I'm not just speaking for me. Like I am voting on behalf of the marginalized because the marginalized are generally the ones who are most affected by um, these situations. They're most affected. We see right now, even by the coronavirus. Um, And so I have to care about voting if I love my neighbor, because I have to vote for things that affect them or against things that affect them or for people that will protect them or against people that will not protect them. Um, And so I've taken that, that responsibility a lot more seriously um, in the last probably eight years. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because yeah, I, I agree with you and and it's biblical that we're supposed to focus on um, these good things and that's what we should be sharing. And at the same time, gosh, like um, I, I, I think this is the Enneagram one, my wing one coming out. Justice is a really big deal for me. So when people are spreading things that are really untrue or really bad, it's hard for me not to like say something. Um, I haven't been able to say something in every space that I've wanted to. I have said a couple of things on my own personal Facebook this week. Um, or yeah, yeah. Weeks. Um, well, things like people comparing um, social distance to the Holocaust. Um, yeah, we love that. Yeah, like, you know, my husband's family is Jewish and he has family who died in the Holocaust. And it's nothing like that. And so those um, comparisons, I think, are really dangerous. And so speaking up against that, but gosh, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a weird tension right now of, of how do we, um, how do we make sure that, yeah, we're, we're, whatever's right, whatever's noble, whatever's pure, like, how are we sharing these? And at the same time, still being a voice um, against things that are unhealthy for the faith. And so it's uh, constant tension, you know? Yeah. Well, it's so funny. I was listening to um, Annie F. Downs podcast today. She has Eugene Cho on it, who I, oh, yeah. I don't know a ton about him, but I've read um, his book overrated and I really want to get his um, new book out. And he talks a lot about um, faithfulness through the tensions almost, mm-hmm. you know, and that was like the whole thing they talked about today. It was really, really cool. And it's funny that you said that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think too, through this whole um, shelter-in-place stuff, I think even though we are quote-unquote less busy because so many of us are working from home, um, we're just filling our our lives with a lot of noise, oh, yeah. um, whether it's, you know, TV always on, whether it's listening to podcasts or, you know, Netflix, whatever. Um, and so I think it's a really good practice for me has just been almost waking up with nothing you know I don't check my phone right away I don't turn on the tv um I wait until I'm really ready to start my work day before I even turn my computer on because man sitting in that silence and just letting the quiet be almost the the tempo of my day has just been a game changer I mean a few weeks when this first started and I was constantly reading trying to figure out what was going on but I just you know, spending that time to not do that has just been really, really helpful for me. I mean, even now, like when we're done here, I'm not going to probably look at my phone again. Um, TV won't be on (laughs) because I can't, I can't have that much noise. It's just, it's too much for me. Yeah. No. Yeah. I've noticed that, um, my daily, what do you call it on your phone? Screen time. The screen time report has gone way down. Like I'm just, I'm done. But like this morning I got up early. Of course, it's a little easier when you're away from home. Like we're in this beautiful like view of the lake. And I just 
got my Bible out and just read and prayed and had like real quiet time. And I have, um, a morning like zoom meeting every meeting every morning. Um, but I just got to have like 45 minutes of drinking my coffee and reading and praying and in a way that didn't feel rushed. Um, in a way this sounds really bad, but sometimes it's like, I just don't have time to do that with all my tasks. And I work in church, like, and I work in a denomination, but it just almost feels like I'm being a bad steward of my time. So messed up if I like take that 45 minutes in the morning to have like actual quiet time. Um, and I hate that, but, but this for sure has, um, has sort of revamped my feeling about it because for the whole rest of the day, when I actually make quiet time a priority, like there's just something different about my whole spirit. Yeah. Um, we were, my mom and I were talking, um, at the end of April, just about how, um, I always compare things to my gym. Cause I feel like my gym has just put out so much good content. Um, since this all started, not that they weren't before, but it feels like it's really consistent right now. Right. Um, and she and my friend Debbie and I, um, you know, kind of had the same conversations back and forth about how my gym is really challenging us to, you know, go through this time at home and not just do nothing, you know, and really encourage us to exercise these muscles, build this muscle. Um, but then sometimes you look at churches around and say, well, what, what muscles are they really encouraging us to be working on and, and what practices almost? Um, and so with my mom and her Bible study group and with some of our friends, we are actually reading through the Proverbs this month, like one proverb a day. And that's just been really, really cool too. Just to, um, there's a Facebook group, you know, and I can check in and see what people are reading and just their thoughts of the day. And um, that's just been a really great way to set the tone because there's, you know, 31 days in May, um, 31 Proverbs. So it's perfect. Like each day lines up. And so it's just been, it's just been really, really good to you. I think, you know, that practice of reading your Bible every day, you know, that's something I get away from and, and I work in ministry too, but it feels like I get so much stuff, other things that I'm supposed to be reading and doing that um, kind of the Bible gets set to the side and having that time now to really build that practice back into my life has been, um, has been so good. Yeah. Um, sometimes I just read the Bible because I'm supposed to. Yeah. And not with the right spirit and not with the right heart behind it, but like, you know, this is, this is the box to check off. Yeah. And I hate it. Cause I know when I'm doing it, that I'm doing it, but it's, but you can't stop it either. Yeah. Like, like I feel like when you have that mood, you can't stop it. I hate it. But yeah, like, um, you know, this is, this has been a time where I think we've all, someone tweeted, I always hate when like, I, <laughs> I'm on Twitter a lot, but people tweet these really great things and then I forget who it, it is. And I don't give them, you know, their proper credit pulling a little Rachel Hollis. Sorry. (laughs) But somebody said, um, you know, stop saying that we're all in the same storm or we're all in the same boat because we're not, we're um, in different boats, but in the same storm and how we all have sort of like different um, things that we're going through and different tensions. You know, I think of people who are in um, like bad relationship situations who are home with their spouses all the time. Like I'm in a good relationship situation and it can be really rough. Um, what were they saying that domestic violence in our yeah. county is up like 30%, 40%? Violence, child abuse, like, I mean, all the bad things. Alcohol like, sales have risen. Pornography yeah. use. Um, sales have risen. I mean, it's, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of things and a lot of um, 
extra temptations and um, all of that for people. So again, yeah, you don't want to like make light of it because there are people like in different situations, but I just want to do whatever I can in my situation to make sure that when I come out of it, I don't look back with regrets. Like I'm not like, and again, for some people, they need to stay in bed all day sometimes because that's their way of being able to cope and be okay. And it's like, if that's what you need this day, like you need to sit in bed and like watch YouTube for eight hours. And I think you should, um, you know, for your own mental health. I don't think you should do that every day. Um, you, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. we've got to balance there. There needs to be some time though for that grief and, and that true experience and that true reality of things suck. And I don't know how to process today. And so I'm going to take care of myself. And if this is the way I need to take care of myself, then by God, I'm going to do it. Like, and that's, that's great and wonderful. Um, I just feel, I mean, we, we've even said this, we said this earlier today, like we don't even know what day it is. Yeah, so for right. me, I can get into like, you know, that work mode every day because I forget what day it is. I forget to take time. Um, and so having days where I can just be at home or run errands that I need to run or go and see my niece, like, because I need that because I can't be sitting at, at my computer and doing that, that that's okay to take a day or two like that because I need it. Otherwise I can just get so sucked in the work mode. Right. Well, what's funny, um, Johnny of all people, I just, you know, I just think he's great. Um, but he wrote me on Facebook the other day and he was like, Hey, you know, we're, we're talking about like reopening our church and what that looks like and you know, how to be safe. And cause, cause that's sort of the conversation we're all having right now. Um, when you work in ministry is like, when can we open? It's going to be doubtful in a context like the church I work in where it's like 900 people on a Sunday um, that we're going to be able to just like open one day. It's probably going to start off smaller. Um, I don't know that for sure. I'm, I'm speaking on what I, what I think, but he wrote me um, like nine o'clock at night or something. Um, and then after he wrote me like asking these questions, he said, I ask a lot of questions. These are work questions. I see that you just saw them. Don't respond tonight. I can see you trying to do not. <laughs> Honestly, I could have cried. Like yeah. it was so nice for somebody to be like, Hey, this is on my mind. I'm asking these questions right now but I care about you as a person and your rest and I'm going to respect that. So don't write me back tonight. Like don't um, do that. I think the other thing that happens in a situation like this is that um, gosh, we're rabbit trailing a lot tonight. Jeremiah, sure. Jeremiah is going to be like, this is your and I don't think it's just you. I think it's both of us. No, it's I think we, the same place. we don't get to talk as much because we don't get to go out to eat like seven times a week. So I am making a lot of money, however. So oh my gosh, same. Um, but I will say like one thing that I think um you could really struggle with in a time like this is yeah, not having work boundaries or not having yeah. very many boundaries because everybody knows that everyone else has free time. So like if I'm calling you or texting you or emailing you, like you should have unlimited time to to do it. Yeah. I have not, I've tried to be. I mean, I should say, I mean, I said I, I'm trying to be good, but really, like, um, how many unread texts do I have? I have, I have, a lot. I have 124. Oh, no, I messed it up. How do you, like, do that? I, I, I can't have any notifications on my phone. Okay, you know that I get, like, 100 texts a day from random from me, things, group then... texts. 
Um, no, I sent you what Matt and I send back and forth now, right? <laughs> it was literally just two days of sending TikToks back and forth. No <laughs> other dialogue. Like that was the only thing we did. But I think the other thing too is like making sure that even though we have like a lot of time or a lot of us have a lot of time, some of us don't have a lot of time, whatever, that um, we're taking time to have boundaries still too because self-care is a big deal. Um, and when yeah. you see like mental health suffering um, in people, encouraging them to do what they need to do to be healthy, rather what they need to do to please you is like letting them off the hook. And so Johnny, like writing that to me, he knows what attention it is for me that boundaries are not good for, like, I'm not good at boundaries, um, that I can be a workaholic and work at all hours and not, you know, like take time off or, you know, if I I always feel like even if I get a text after hours, it's a work thing, I should respond. Um, but he knows that about me. And instead of like asking me this question and then being like, Oh, whenever she writes back, he literally let me off the hook. And was like, yeah. I don't want you, and not just like, let me off the hook. He said, do not write me back tonight. Um, so things aren't always about like setting your boundaries, but letting other people like set boundaries that are healthy for them in the middle of a time that's a little crazy is um, a good learning, like a good lesson for me. Yeah. You know, like how I do I, how do I let my friends off the hook? Yeah. I mean, I sent you a, a work thing today about a fundraiser we're doing and after I sent it I went oh she's on vacation but then I thought you know what she'll get to it and if she doesn't but you know that like I don't expect a response from you so it's totally different you right. know? like I know that you wouldn't be mad at me right um, if I didn't write you back right away but I yeah. have that legit get mad at me if I don't write them back and and not I'm not talking about like my coworkers necessarily um but like other I mean I have like freelance jobs or whatever that I do where it's not like I get paid very much and they expect me to sort of be on like all hours. And I'm like, that's not really how this works. And so if I don't respond and it's 11 o'clock at night and they're pissed off at me and I'm like, no, that's not really how yeah. that goes. Like nobody has to be on the clock all the time unless you're like a doctor and you're on call. So well, my brother is a nurse and he gets called in the middle of the night. Great. The other night, were you there? No, um, we were, I think it was, um, Last Friday, we were at my parents' house, and he had said something about, like, being really tired or whatever, like, oh, I'm so ready to go home, and then his work phone rang, and no. he was like, go out on call. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. It was, I mean, he got the call at, like, seven, so it wasn't super yeah, late. I mean, he's gotten a couple calls in the... But like, he's been busy. Yeah, he's been so busy. There's one place I wish I had set a boundary with you, though. Where? You asked me to shave your dog. the Liz goes hey my dog is really hot needs to be groomed but we can't get the dog into any groomers because you know social distance and I just happen to know how to shave dogs it's a thing so um I I know that Romy does not she does okay but she doesn't Romy was fine it was you that was the problem so I get there and I'm like, oh yeah, like blah, blah, blah. So we go to shave the dog. Liz leaves us to go inside to watch the last dance. Like she's standing for the TV watching the last dance. I'm holding her dog as her dog is trying to bite me while I (laughs) shave it. And I look inside and Liz is just watching the last dance. What? It was not, I, it wasn't any more helpful when I was out there holding me down either. Like, 
it was actually probably worse while I was out there because she just hates, yeah, she just doesn't love it. But she's, I mean, you did as good as you could have. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, um, she she's just so kind of happy me. She did bite me a couple of times. She bit the clippers multiple times. Um, her legs were just choppy. I mean, the girl was beat up looking by the end, but she seemed happier. Oh, she's so much happier. Like, she's not just, like, laying on the floor like a dead dog because she's just so hot. So she's feeling a lot better. And then, well, and then you were, like, trying to, you're, like, her hair's so weird on this side. I was, like, oh, that's the side of her, like, really bad scar. I'm, like, Liz's dog is, like, completely ripped open once. Yeah, I had to drive her to the vet, like, holding her insides in her. I was living in Mexico at the time. It's a fun story for later. (laughs) That sounds great. You know, I worked at a vet clinic for a long time, so I've seen a lot of things. Nothing freaks me out about vet work. It's funny. I actually think that animals are cleaner than humans. It's not true. Um, And COVID is a zoonotic disease, which is, I get kind of nerdy about because zoonosis is is a a sickness transmitted from animals to people. Um, And so when I first heard that like people were getting sick from, you know, an animal transmission thing, I was like, oh, it's like pandemic. Like, like the movie, but then now it's not so funny. Or not that it was ever funny, but it was more like interesting. And now I'm over it and I hate everything. Well, when I first got my dogs, they had um really bad mites. And we've talked about mites with my dogs. The kind that they had was actually like you could transfer it to people. And so they were the first people to give me like a type of scabies. Well, the first people, the first things that gave me scabies were my we dogs. We've scabies on this podcast in a really long time, so thank yeah. you so much for bringing it up. You're welcome, yeah. I'm so excited. I was like, gosh, when are we going to talk about scabies again? It's been, so long. Yeah. it's been so long. I'm texting you a TikTok right now, by the way. In case yeah. people don't know, we're on Zoom. Have we mentioned this? I think we have. Okay, I we're on we're- Zoom together, but like we're also both wearing black shirts with white writing. From yeah. jobs we've had, which is kind oh, of interesting. Yes. You sent me a TikTok. I did. All right. All right. Well, that was a fun rabbit trail of a lot of different thoughts that. You're welcome, that Jeremiah. You didn't accept for us. So. That's right. It's a good deal. It's who cares? So glad we could record this conversation. Yeah. Um, sometimes we talk before our podcast and then we realize, like, we kind of ruined it. Yeah. Because we told all of our stories. Yeah, and then they weren't funny when we actually recorded it. It was way funnier when we first said it. Our first podcast recording was really funny. I mean, we were practicing in a Starbucks <laughs> parking lot, and it was it was just us hysterically laughing. Basically. We couldn't even, we didn't even, like, produce or, like, put that one on, did we? No, it was just too much you can't hear what people are saying. It's literally us. It's it's me. I laughed so hard. I was like, out the car. outside of Liz's car. <laughs> but that's the best way to go. I hope that we get more Starbucks time. I know we haven't been kicked out of Starbucks in a long time. Like that our restaurant in a long time. <laughs> there's some real grief happening. <laughs> it really is all gonna be. Not, okay is not the right word. It's not going to be okay for some people. Um, but we're going to get through it. 
We're gonna get through it. And things sort of are what they are. And I think we can keep asking ourselves how every day in whatever situation, how we can continue to be faithful. Um, and, we're calling just as people of Jesus. God is still in control. COVID hasn't knocked him off. Thank God. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I cannot just say that. That's like the I most did. cliche thing I know. they like would avoid that. It's like, God's still on the throne. <laughs> okay. But but it's, it's, I mean, we keep, I keep trying to wrap this up, but I keep going on and on. You know, you know the song Throne Room? Yeah. I run to. Okay, so my grandparents always called the bathroom the throne room. <laughs> so, like, every time we sing that song in church, I run sure. to the throne room before you, or like, I fall on my face in the throne room. I'm like, must have been a bad day. Must have been a we bad, should bad talk about, huh? We should for sure talk about um, <laughs> worship songs that we love. Yeah. <laughs> that are like that, because we have quite a few that we just got. Because of this or that, that's happened to me. Whenever I sing this song, it's not what I think about. I think it's about something else. So, yeah, he's your all. He's the best. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about that on another podcast. All right, it's been real. It's been fun. I'm Sarah. I'm Liz. Have a great night. Night. Bye.